Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. our latest Mountain West Connection podcast. A few days earlier than normal, folks. You're welcome. For good reason. NFL draft time. Are you excited? I am excited. Um, I mean, my team is terrible. Do you have so a quarterback yet? They, well, ostensibly they do. Um, <laughs> if if you feel like Matt Barkley is the answer, um, I feel bad for you because I do not. Um <sighs> Yeah, that but that's that's me as a 49ers fan, and I don't want to project my misery onto our listening audience, who presumably is probably a little more excited for their teams, whether they're Raiders fans, Broncos fans, maybe Arizona Cardinals fans, you know, all the teams out here in the West. Most of them pretty good, 49ers not so much. Not so much. Our show here, we are normally college football, which this is still going to be a college show for the most part. Our website, we should maybe mention that. Because it's a draft show, there might be new people who somehow stumble across us. MWCConnection.com. I'm Jeremy Moss. A Niners fan is Matt Kennerly. People can throw hate at me because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. For whatever, whatever. I grew up in Texas. That's not too far-fetched, is it? That That's fair. If you grew up in Texas, it makes a lot more sense than, you know, Cowboys fans who live here. Yeah. And it's also, I grew up specifically in Houston, but... Oilers moved when I was about 9 or 10, so I'm like, whatever, I'll be a Cowboys fan. <laughs> and that kind of betrayal, to me, is really the only thing that allows a fan to switch their loyalties, is if their team moves. Mm-hmm. I do like the Texans. Or, I like the Cowboys and Texans. are both in separate divisions or conferences, which helps. But yeah, if your team moves, like you mentioned the Raiders, oh, well, 
we'll get to that stuff in a minute, but their schedule, they go to – their schedule's a mess. I was listening to some NFL podcast yesterday. They go to the they go to Oak, they go to Mexico City once again. They have like three road games in the first month of the schedule, and then also their draft picks. Well, let's get to it now. It's just welcome to Las Vegas or some some backdrop yeah, or something. That's brutal. You want to screw over their fans already? <laughs> like they're not not to make this the Raiders show, but they're going to be in Las Vegas or maybe San Antonio, maybe playing at Memorial Stadium sooner than later. It's going to be at least three years, and it's probably going to be, like, three of the most uncomfortable years any fan would ever experience. And they're a good team, which makes it even worse. Yes. You got you got Derek Carr there, so that's always something, I guess, for Fresno fans. So, do you care? Do you want him to do well since he's the uh, former QB of your school, but on the oh, rival yeah. team, I mean, essentially? I root for all my Fresno State guys, regardless of whether they're teams that, you know, I root for or not. You know, a perfect example would be like Devontae Adams, who ended up in Green Bay. And as a Niners fan, I don't have any love for Green Bay, but I'm glad that he had a really successful year last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, he got the get get that angle fixed, but he he does pretty good when he gets a chance. So, also really quick, if you want Fresno stuff, do you ever listen? I, I had to find a new NFL podcast because the one I listened to put put up shop last a couple months ago. Very mm-hmm. sad. It went on for 12 years. It was just some independent podcasts which was amazing and fun so i'm like and i'm like oh, who should i listen to because nfl rants and raves is no longer around I'm like well they're like go to the nfl.com one around the nfl I'm like really that's gonna be some stuffy podcast not the case at all very good what like, had, if, if i can make some recommendations to what else for, do you have out there yes so when i have the time to listen to them i really do like listening to the ringer podcast with chris uh, robert mays and which one though the football one, nfl one yeah, the NFL show that they have there. I subscribe to it, and I haven't really listened to it too much. Maybe I should get back into it. I mean, it's not quite as good as when uh, Mays and Bill Barnwell were working together at Grantland, but it's still pretty solid. And then, you know, I I always like to recommend SBA Nation's own with Dan Kadar and Matt Fairburn. They had a podcast last the other day for their uh, mock of the draft. Yes, they did. Yes, yeah, so we want NFL. Like I, I found around the NFL. I listen. One here's a good one. Um, Matt Williamson used to be at ESPN years ago. Did their uh, daily. Uh, him and uh, who did you have like uh, Robert Flores or um, what's his name? Uh, Tucker. Um, what's his, Ross Tucker? They did a bunch. They, they kind of rotated some guys out. But uh, he has one. The reason I like it. It's short. It's maybe I've only listened to the off season. It's maybe twenty minutes max, and it's just lock, It's uh, locked on NFL. That's a good one too. So they've done some draft stuff. Or I've. You hear Chris Harris from um, East Beat ESPN. I heard him on Scarborough Country the other day, the uh, comedian podcast talking NFL draft, which is always cool. So there's some options out there, but it's um, around the NFL. The reason I brought that up, it's a fun, laid-back show. Apparently, I started listening to it about two months ago. So I'm like, I like some NFL. I wanted a replacement. Apparently, there's some beef with Derek Carr blocking on Twitter. And so they had his brother David Carr, works for the NFL Network, come on like the last half hour of the most recent show just to screw around and have fun. So it was a pretty fun conversation. So if you're a Fresno fan, that might be something just to um, hear some stuff from those guys, the Carr brothers. So Sounds good. Check it out. But a couple of quick news and notes before we get to the good stuff, the draft gold, I'll say. Well, maybe silver. I don't know how good we are. But spring football wrapped up for a couple of schools. We're not going to go in-depth because we want this draft. But one quick note. The New Mexico Lobos, what have we said for years that they need to do better on? That they could be a very good team? I think we even mentioned last show. 
You mean besides the defense? Yeah, with defense, you give it. But <laughs> on offense, what what have I said for years they need to do? Maybe throw a little bit better. If they can even pretend to throw the ball, <laughs> they could be good. Somebody's listening because they threw the ball all over the place at their spring showcase this past weekend. But were they successful over throwing the ball? Uh, there was a touchdown pass, yes. Multiple touchdown passes. Interesting. And part of the throws were, um, they had a couple guys, um, receiver had Matt Corrales, um, got a touchdown pass. And then they have like a transfer from Arizona State. Like, Lamar, even Lamar Jordan, the QB, like he's been the QB for a while, he was even slinging around a little bit. And so that's, um, there's some promising, but it could be a situation where they have a backup come in to make, hopefully it's not the case where it's, hey, they're going to throw because it's third and 12 and they bring in the other quarterback. Yeah. But they move the ball in the air, which is a nice change. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing with New Mexico is that they don't have to be that much better. Like, it's not like, you know, we've seen, you know, triple option teams in the past who really struggle to throw the ball like, there was a huge drop-off last year after Navy, for instance, lost their starting quarterback, Will Worth. And I forget the guy's name who backed him up, but he just wasn't quite as good. What about the guy from the stands that came in? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, I mean, if you're looking at what Lamar Jordan did last year, you know, in some ways he was fine. Like, you know, he did manage, you know, a 6-4 to four touchdown to interception ratio, which is a plus. But if he could inch up his completion rate just a little bit and if he can lower his sack rate just a little bit to maybe where Austin Apodaca had his last year because uh, Jordan was at about seven and a half percent on the sack rate if he can improve those just a little bit that can make a huge difference for a team that's probably gonna have to score more points than you know they're gonna probably have to put up like 35 40 points a week week after week you know what I mean yeah, for sure. Yeah, and every, it looks like everybody's throwing about like Jordan. You have the retro freshman who's making some deep throws. It that was Tavaka Tuitoi, T U I O T I. How would you say that? Tuioti. Tuioti. There we go. Yeah, I was, I was trying to stick in an extra vowel there. There's already five of the seven <laughs> a vowel. He was throwing deep. And then the transfer is the grad transfer. Of, I think he's from Arizona State. I want to say Colton Gerhart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they've been moving the ball, and so that's um that's something definitely to look out for because. If they could be Air Force efficient passing the ball, they're going to be. A, that's another win or two, I think. Oh yeah. The other news: um, Utah State. We discussed the Aggies a couple weeks ago, here and there. For some reason, no known exact reason yet, but Rayshad Lewis is transferring from the program, and that's a pretty big blow for a guy who could have been him and Rontavian Carver, the number two receiver. Obviously, there was one and two guys. And he was actually playing, I didn't notice this until looking to, to some more info, but he was playing both ways during spring football. Like, I think it was a, some sort of, I think, safety plus wide receiver. And he doesn't really give a, a clear answer, but he is leaving the program, which is a huge blow for this offense. Yeah, and I mean, when you consider that in some ways he was kind of the number one guy last year, you know, maybe he didn't break as many big plays as Ron Quavian Tarver, but he did lead the team in targets. And, you know, he, for a freshman, you know, putting up, you know, 11 and a half yards per catch and putting up a catch rate better than 50% is a pretty solid foundation for anybody to build upon. And now what you're left with is exactly one guy who had more than 25 targets last year at the wide receiver position, which is Tarver. You know, the guys behind him on the depth chart, you know, guys like Braylon Roberts are 
Jaron Colston Green, who were you know kind of spot guys last year. There's going to be a lot more pressure on them now to see what they have going into the fall to kind of make an impact and be that guy who can be the number two receiver. Well, and they lose Wyatt Houston, the tight end. So that's another yeah. target. It's And he was going to return kicks, maybe return punts. He was going to be like probably like maybe a little hyperbole here, but one of the best players, offensive players in the conference, just because he could have been somewhat of a Tyler Irvin type player, whereas they get so many touches because he even ran the ball about 10, I think, what, 10 times for just over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. So he's a playmaker, and they always got him on the bubble screen, the quick pass right off the snap. And I'm looking up his Twitter right now, still no issue besides a vague uh, statement he mentioned. Um, what did he say here? Just just something, uh, not everybody's meant to understand every decision you make, make its life, something like that, just something basic. So I don't know, people don't know, he's the son of Ray Lewis, the uh, Ravens linebacker. So I And here's the thing, too. He's from Orlando, going to Logan, Utah. That's a huge change of lifestyle. Yeah. And he spent over a year there because Orlando's a pretty big city, warm weather, clearly. Go to I Like I said, it's in Utah. It's not just in Utah where it's winters and cold, but you go up another 1,000 feet or so up near the mountains, and it's blistering cold for most of the year, especially during football season. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a big loss for football-wise. It's a... Uh, it's a pretty big deal for David Yost, his new offense. So they're gonna have to figure draft something. time. Let's um, we don't make this very smooth, so let's take a quick pause for a moment to hear some random commercial and hope you listen to it because we want guacamole money, right? Of course, exactly. So up next, we'll talk some NFL draft. All right, draft time. Offensive players only apply, right, for the Mountain West this time around. It seems like. I mean, it's that's where most of the interesting questions are. So, yeah, we can at least start there and then talk about... Because it's not to say that the, the defensive players are totally absent, but most of the stars, or rather most of the guys who are going to get drafted on, you know, let's say day two in the second and third round, maybe the fourth round, mm-hmm. are probably coming off the offensive side of the ball. So here's what we're doing. These rankings we're going to be using are from Pro Football Focus. So if you're able to have those um, rankings, because they have some pay stuff, but uh, that's what we're using kind of going off of some of these rankings where they're at and some stuff from CBS. But overall, if I'm correct on this, from Pro Football Focus, if you don't check out their site, even though there's pay subscription stuff, there's a ton of free stuff that's just amazing they do. Highly recommend it for what we're doing, NFL Draft, NFL Fan, College Football, Play Fantasy Football. They have everything, and they're one of the better sites out there. Basically, you know who Chris Collinsworth is. He's pretty much behind most of the websites, so it's yeah. a pretty big deal. So I believe I think I have all the rankings correctly. Is it um, Chase Roulier, the number one prospect from them for the Mountain West overall? Uh, if I am reading the way that you copied and pasted it, yeah. <laughs> one hundred three. I yeah, that's uh, that. Here's the thing, too. We're not going to break down the offensive linemen very. It's like, come on, we've seen them play. Look at how many sacks are given up. You're all conference, all American, whatever. That's going to happen. But the top players in this league so far, what it kind of looks like, we know the running backs are huge of not just in the Mountain West, but Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, uh, whatever you feel about Joe Joe Mixon. He has talent. You have uh, Sajad Sanjay P. Ryan from Oklahoma as well. A lot of running backs out there. So where do you want to start with this? Do you want to go through, like, overall, or do you want to pick a team, or what do you want to do here? Let's do overall. Okay. So overall, like I said, if we're if I'm correct on this, I'm pretty sure I have it right. There's basically four, three of the top five players are offensive linemen. 
kind of interesting, right? And when you think, I, I was gonna yeah, say, I never thought. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and when you think about it, it's kind of like an extension of uh, what I guess you would consider a very quiet track record of success in that regard. Like in the last few years, Mountain West has sent at least a few, you know, offensive linemen that were you know second, third round picks who have been pretty good in their own right. And I'm thinking about guys like Joel Petonio, who, you know, even though Cleveland is garbage, he was you know played pretty well for them. Uh, Western Richburg has quietly become one of the better centers in the NFL. The and the guys who are in this particular draft, you know, strike me as being possibly the next kind of links in that chain. Yeah, like I said, we got the three guys really quickly. Met Chase Roulier, who had a couple, he was pretty essential for the off center's pr- pretty big position. They lead the offense with the quarterback. Brian Hill, how well he ran the ball, you got to put a lot of credit for him. And then Colorado State, they've had this could be their third player drafted because they'd also uh, tie San, was it Sambarillo? Is that how you, is that correct? He's with Sambarillo. the Broncos. Sambarillo. I think he believes he's with the Broncos. Correct? Uh, yes. Last or at least he was drafted by the Broncos. So they could have three offensive linemen in the NFL next year with Fred Zerbless, who was a guard, and he's they rated him as the uh, number five, number fifth overall guard, and. If you're a guard, like, it's not a tackle where you can play tackle and guard. Because there was that guy about a decade ago from the uh, – I wish I knew his name. But he was from Iowa. He went to the Raiders, like, the number three overall pick. He's like, oh, he's the best left tackle. Yeah, Robert Gallery, yeah. Like, basically, he's, like, the best left tackle ever to come out the draft in however long. He never was a a great all-pro NFL tackle, but he's a guy you can play tackle, play guard. He's a versatile guy, so – if you look back at his career, he had, I don't know how many years, but a, a long, productive career in the NFL because they moved him to guard, and he can still be very talented. So if you're an offensive lineman, you can play more than one position. That's a big deal. And that's kind of what Zerbless is. He's a scheme-diverse guy they mentioned. And the Rams, even with the different coaching staff, this guy was picked up by the prior recruiting class with um, McIlwain. Mm-hmm. And he's had guys drafted as well. So he's getting these guys picked up. He's in the right scheme. And according to PFF, only 10 QB pressures allowed from the guard position, which I assume that's pretty good. It says over 830 attempts for people attacking the quarterback in his position. If him, he's 156 overall. Um, I don't know why I have eight here. Maybe that's eighth lineman, or I put it down wrong. But It might be Chase really up. by the position and 156 overall. Yeah, 156 overall. I put something else in there. But then you also got this guy I never even realized, um, Hawaii Center. I'm going to say the name, folks, so get ready here. Leo, got the first name, okay. right? Um, oh, geez, how many vowels are in this one? This is what people wait for, right? <laughs> you, you just let me know if you want me to take care of this. No, I got it. I, I think this okay. one's pretty All self-explanatory. Right. Leo Kolomotangi. Koloa Matangi. Koloa. The Hawaiian accent, or Polynesian accent gets me. Koloa. Yeah, there we go. Leo K. Apparently, pro football-focus loves him. He's a pretty good center, number six guy. 163 overall, which puts him, what's that, a mid-fourth-round pick? Uh, let's see. One, one, fifth-round pick, actually? By, yeah, right around the early fifth round. Yeah, depending on the conceptory picks that go out after that, I think, fourth round. But I never realized he was that good of a player. Maybe I don't – hey, to be credit, can we watch Hawaii football all that much when they're at home? No, no we, we cannot. cannot. Sorry. Sorry, folks. And those are like, it's good stuff. We've got offensive linemen building things up. That's why the running game is so well for most of these teams too. See, one thing I'm curious about 
And I'm wondering what in you know what in pro football focuses formula or whatever didn't like him, but I'm I'm, I'm noticing that Nico Siragusa is missing from this conversation, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering the combine. Yeah, and I'm wondering why that is because I, I if I'm look I'm looking at another site that I usually like to trust every once in a great while. That's okay, that's fine. I don't care who is it. So pro football. No, no, no. It's a, it's a site called Draft Tech. So if you want to look it up for yourself, it's basically drafttek.com. And it allows you to sort their big board by Mountain West players specifically. And at least according to their rankings, which they update, you know, this one was updated most recently on the 18th of April. So, you know, sometime early last week. But they have him ranked basically second among all of the conference's athletes. And so I'm curious as to what that disparity is between what pro football focus is seeing and what these guys are seeing because to me he strikes me as the kind of guy especially coming from a pro style offense and a multi-year starter that he could be like a third or fourth round pick who could at least step into a rotation and you know maybe take over a starting spot in a year or two that is odd like here's what they say like here i'm at pro football focus here really quick just kind of looking at their overall stuff because they do use like the mockable type program. It's not the not theirs, but same the spider graph thing we mentioned a couple weeks ago during the combine. Like his run block grade off the chart. Everything is off the charts except for like screen blocking grade. Partly because Aztecs didn't do that very much. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, like ranking like overall like some advanced stats. He's like number pass blocking efficiency number two, number two run block percentage success number one in um uh, no stats there, but like. Good, good stopping pressure from either outside or bull rush pressure. He's like three step pass um, block efficiency number one, like the ninety fifth percentile in nearly every category. Yeah. So I don't like it doesn't have very many penalties in his career. Seven penalties in three year starts. Yeah, and it's interesting if you go to his NFL profile, his scouting profile on NFL.com from Lance Zierlin. They have just as many strengths as weaknesses, but they do also project him to be a third or fourth round pick. And it's interesting that the comparison they give him is Chris Kimoyatu, who was, at least for a short while, a pretty solid contributor along some pretty decent offensive lines. Was he with the Vikings? Is that right? I thought he was with the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. But it's okay. We don't need to know that much. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> It's true, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's curious. So, yeah, Steelers, there we go. And they got good – they always have good – taking Roethlisberger, running the ball with those guys. But some of these things, like, it depends what they look for. Like, what's the um, – maybe – okay, maybe I honestly went through – this PDF we went through was hundreds of pages. Maybe I happened to miss his name or something. That's a possibility. But he's a guy, like, he's going to get drafted, like, playing for that offense. Because a lot of these offenses you'll see, it's like, especially with the QB, like, Deshaun Watson should be a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm plays a spread attack offensive the spread attack is everywhere in college football even offensive linemen it changes what you do because sometimes you want lighter offensive linemen to be able to be more athletic to do different things and so they're not big enough for the nfl so there's all a trickle down effect of what how good you can be moving to a pro style to a uh, pro or spread style to a pro set or even an offensive lineman in the triple option yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I, I, I don't know what's, what like they're they, So I don't know if size is going to be the problem because, you know, he comes in at 6'4 and 319 pounds, which is pretty big for a guard. Huge. And at least as far as pass blocking efficiency, if I'm reading this correctly, 
he was the second best. <laughs> you know, 327 pass block snaps allowed only one snap and, or one sack and two hurries. I don't know. I'm going to look up the PDF here really quick while I do this because there's, I must have missed his name or something because this doesn't seem right. But he's going to get picked oh, early yeah, on. You, I think you did miss him because he's listed sixth among the guards, which is two spots in Zerplus. I must, yeah, I must have just missed him. I apologize. That's all it was. So yeah, number six overall behind that guy from Florida in between Dorian Johnson from Pittsburgh. So, okay, I apologize. It, it happens, but that's why we're going through. It's like, wait a minute. Like I said, this thing I got was like 400 pages. Sorry. No, that's fine. But we know he's a good player anyway, so it was somewhat shocking. Does he, did they have an overall ranking? Did you happen to see that for him? Uh, let me see if I, I can find it real quick if you want to talk. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, well, let's see. Yeah, 6'4", 319. I don't think there's well, I don't think there's any other offensive linemen we missed, but that size, geez, three hundred. Like he's related to, I believe, Tony Syracuse is some support, some cousin or uncle. I'm assuming, right? I'm not sure. He has to be that type of name, you would think. Well, one thing, yeah, they put him. Bo- okay, so here's one thing that Pro Football Focus mentions is that at least according to their metrics, which I admit I'm not totally familiar with it, that they wonder about the level of competition that he faced because one thing that they mention is that he had his worst game of the year against Houston in the Las Vegas Bowl at the end of the year. And I wish that I had the time to go back and look at how he lined up against a guy like Ed Oliver in particular because they make it sound like he had kind of a long afternoon in that one-on-one matchup. And, of course, Ed Oliver, we know, was like a five-star freshman for the Cougars who did make some plays, especially early in that game. So I'm curious as to, you know, how much of a negative that is among the pro teams. Because... Well, and if you remember... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, go ahead. I was just saying, like, remember that game? It took a while for Aztecs to get going, and yeah. part of it was their defense and where that where the um, made plays, and they put the Houston defense on the field a lot in that second half. Mm-hmm. And one other note, too, I think these notes are... Com- go together with each other he got he missed out on most of his senior bowl practices like he got hurt after day one so he lost that opportunity to go up against the practices of basically his peers who could be drafted and so that's a concern but i get the competition thing and like if you think about the mountain west i think you mentioned it or maybe i heard it on the um podcast they played nobody and they talked about the uh, mountain west there's a lot of defense defensive coaches but there's not much defense in this conference with like Rocky Long, even you, even though Matt Walls was a QB, their defensive team, Bob Davey, stuff like that, were defensive guys, but offense seems to reign. But he'll get picked. Do you think he could be the first guy off the board? Because I don't know who's looking. Like they like him a lot. Like I don't know who would be the first guy off the board. If you were to pick, who would it be? Because we got Saragusa, uh, maybe Chase Roulier. Could be a running back. I've even seen. This was a while ago. Jalen Robinette, Robinette had some pub from Air Force as a top 60 pick by a couple mock drafts about a month or two ago. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Siragusa was the first person taken, but I don't think he will be. I think he'll probably be at least in the top three or four among conference players taken, though. Because I see even like DeMonte Casey and Calvin Munson be taken reasonably high. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You even got like another lineman, uh, Will Crater from UNLV, uh, maybe get drafted. He's a top ten center from PFF. But going through offensive line stats, and we're going back, it takes a while to see who's good or not. But the biggest position in the conference, let's just go to it, it's running backs. Mm-hmm. And if you look at all these rankings, like they're top twenty guys, but this running back, it's it's freaking loaded. Like we JHI a couple years ago got 
slipped just because of that knee injury that came on late that people found out about in the bone-on-bone type of stuff. Fifth rounder. You could see, like, Brian Hill maybe go in the fifth round, but be, like, a legit NFL starter within three years and be, like, a Pro Bowl guy. Like, have not maybe not Pro Bowl, but very successful career in the NFL to running back. Any of these guys. Just because of Christian you got McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, all the guys I mentioned before, Joe Mixon, you have a... The Toledo, um, shoot, uh, was it Cream Harris from Toledo? Is that who that is? Uh, yes. Cream, uh, something, like, whatever. But there's a lot of good running backs in, in here. And, like, the top one, I think the top NFL back is who they have is Jeremy Nichols because of he does everything. Yeah, that, that was going to be what I said if you didn't. I think the, the interesting thing about these three guys is they each bring something different. And depending on what the team is looking for, you know, if they want more of a power back, obviously Brian Hill is probably going to be that guy. If they need maybe a Geo Bernard type, maybe that makes McNichols look a little more favorably. And if they're looking for kind of a speed change-up back, maybe a guy who can contribute a little more on special teams, then you're probably looking at a guy like Pumphrey. And it's interesting if you look at the player. Did you happen to notice the player comps for these guys? I I did not look at those from where NFL dot com or which from the one? Pro Football PDF. Uh, I must not. I didn't pay attention to those. Who do they compare these guys? So to? they compared McNichols to Pierre Thomas, which I think is a really mm. interesting comparison, because Pierre Thomas was a guy who was never totally flashy. Like I don't think he ever had a thousand yard season when he was with the Saints, but he could contribute both as a runner. He was always putting up like 700, 800, 900 yards per season and catching, you know, 40 balls out of the backfield for a very efficient offense back in the day. Yeah, back in 2013, he had 77 receptions as a running back. And then for Donnell Pumphrey, the comparison that they give him is Warwick Dunn. Just because of the size thing? Yeah, I mean, Warwick Dunn was a small guy, but he was also a guy who had a lot of success, even despite that, as part of that famous backfield with him and Mike Allstott. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who do they have for um, then Brian? Oh, you you mentioned, you mentioned Brian. Okay, Hill just as well. kidding. If they didn't give one to Brian Hill, <laughs> <laughs> like wait a minute. But yeah, those, let's see what NFL.com has here. See how we're very prepared here, folks. There's here's the, there's so much draft info. It's like where the heck do you start and look sometimes? Mm-hmm. Like that draft pick site. Never heard of it. I'm gonna check it out to see what they have. Because my thing is, more info you have, oh, NFL.com doesn't have one as well. But uh, I don't know. He, <laughs> here's the thing. Like what? Yeah, it is lame. Like what he did, he caught the ball pretty well. Not as well as McNichols. He ran the ball very well. He Part of a few things we noticed as negatives was that he sometimes would get stuffed and held. But how many times, like, we jokingly compared him to Barry Sanders just because he could have a game of 240 yards or a game where he's like five, five, five attempts were like minus five each. Mm-hmm. Not that he has that same attitude or style of play, but and he's not necessarily a make or break guy. But there's games where he would be just non-existent and then have like a huge play. Yeah. And so, in comparison to him, I he's more. I would say he's more of like what the. I think he's like this may sound lame and a cop out, but he's more of what the NFL wants to running back because he can catch the ball well enough, which means it could give him a chance maybe to play a bit more on third down at times when they need to pass him. But he's a guy running back. Goes up the middle. He likes to initiate contact. He he likes to get hit. He doesn't get hurt too often. And his size and frame is what you want for a guy who's going to go up to tackle. Because 
as much as like I said before, pro style and uh, going instead of going to five wide. Well, Wyoming was in shotgun a lot. They still went under center enough, and Hill would go between the tackles. So it's not like he's a running back where it's an option base or it's always a toss sweep or off tackle every time. He takes contact, and goes up the middle, and that's what you got to have that in NFL. And that's also with with uh, Pumphrey. Like, oh, he's – what's his official size? Like 170 or something, if that? Uh, Brian Hill, he's listed <laughs> he's on here. Six, six foot one and 219. 219. But, I mean, Pumphrey is about 30, 40 pounds less than that. And he goes up the middle and makes plays. And so there shouldn't be concern for either of these guys about being a productive NFL running back. But then, again, they could be the 12th running back off the board. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. None of them are going to be like, you know, day one picks and, you know, maybe two of them won't be day two picks. But there's definitely a role for all three of these guys somewhere. And, you know, just as a reminder, because I feel like it's worth mentioning again, like one of the things I always like to keep in mind when I'm watching the draft is the whole idea of the speed score. And I know I mentioned this on one of our podcasts probably a little more than a month ago, but... You know, if you're ranking these three guys by the speed score, and if you want to go to Football Outsiders or just run a Google search for speed score, Football Outsiders, to find this year's article, McNichols came in at fir- in first, and Brian Hill came in second, and they were both above 100. 100, I think, is about the average. So what – and I'm not familiar with it. What is the speed score? Could you give a quick example of what it entails? Yeah, basically it's a way to measure both a person's speed and their size – with the whole idea that a person who runs a 4.3 that weighs 180 pounds is fine, but a person who runs a 4.3 and weighs 210 pounds is even better for the NFL game. So like Calvin Johnson, when I tried to compare him, his speed to uh, Robinette, whatever, yeah. like he would be off the charts in that category. Yeah, so like they have the formula on the website, but it's basically um, a player's weight times 200 divided by their 40 time to the fourth power. And the average is 100. So if you're above 100, it's usually an interesting sign. And if you're below 100, then it might be a little dicey. And if you're ranking these guys 1, 2, 3, it was McNichols who came out at top at 105.3. And then Brian Hill came in at 103.1. And Pumphrey was actually third worst among running backs at the Combine. And his was only 87.4. And not to say that that's... Well, his 40 time wasn't impressive, was it? It wasn't that great. Well, it's listed here at 4.48, which is okay. But it wasn't really that much better than McNichols. It was only 100 that was second better. And I guess with weight, with him weighing officially 176, that's a big deterrent, I guess, in that formula. Yeah, and but that's not to say that he's never going to be able to contribute just because of it. But it's one of those things that when I'm seeing how teams evaluate running backs or pick running backs, that's one of those things I try to keep in mind is to be like, well, well, that's curious. But ultimately I see, I don't see any of these guys getting past maybe the fourth round. I think all three of them will be gone by then. So the NFL draft, if I'm correct, it's day one, Thursday, round one, mm-hmm. day two is now two and three, then four through seven is Saturday. Is that yes. right? Okay. Let me ask you this. Let me see. Who would you, unless you've already looked, who, do, who would you say NFL.com's comparison to Donald Pumphrey would be? Because uh, you mentioned work done from Pro Football Focus. So so would it be Darren Sproles? Tyler Irvin. Really? I guess that does make Which, sense. Although I Irvin could, was a little bit bigger than Pumphrey, if I'm not mistaken. 
I've seen Irvin a bit, partly because obviously San Jose State, and he, he's getting some playing time in the Texans. I would have figured Irvin more toward Irvin's exact size. Um, five, yeah, 5'10", 192, there's a size thing. I would have picked McNichols more towards Irvin because of the receiving game that he can do. But I guess this comparison, special teams is a big issue in size. But they say fifth and sixth round pick for Pumphrey. I don't know if I buy that. Because running back, like, NFL, you're going to want multiple backs because there's very, like, I play fantasy football, so I pay attention to these things. Like you mentioned, um, Pierre Thomas, he was always sharing a backfield with some other guys in the Saints and Sean Payton's offense. was never the guy, even though he was a good value in leagues where you would have uh, reception points. And a running back who can do that is a big deal, and he gets on the field more often because of it. But, like, look right now, Adrian Peterson is still a free agent. And that's that, – and my point is, like, yeah, he's had the knee injuries, but even when he is the guy, like, he's one of the last few guys to be the guy. Like, how many running backs are the guy? You got Ezekiel Elliott with the Cowboys. You can do that. You have uh, Latavius um, – or, shoot, Bell from Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell. He was only – yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Sorry, I was getting Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell mixed up. He's now with the Vikings. But there's very few backs that are the guy. David Johnson out there in the Cardinals – there's not many teams that have one guy, J.H.I., a little bit with the Dolphins now once he took over. There's going to be enough running backs taken where, like I said, if he if Pumphrey goes in the sixth round, like, ah, oh, he's a sixth-round pick, but that could be a perfect fit. Like, let's just say he goes to a team like the Patriots who use multiple running backs, and because they look to Adrian Peterson, they still have LeGarrette Blount, and they have a few other guys. Like, if you go to a team that uses multiple backs, he may have a 10-year career, be a starter two or three of those years, but be a solid number two. You could be a number two back on any team, and have a great career. But I think that's low just because of what we've seen he can do. Everybody, yeah, he's undersized, he's small, he's fast enough, but he can return kicks, which is a big deal in the NFL. That's why I think I think McNich- McNichols will ultimately be the first guy taken, maybe out of the Mountain West altogether, because he's so versatile. It's like there was a guy, who was it? Um, you remember Ricky, Ricky Waters? He played for the Niners years ago. Oh, yeah, ago of course I remember Seahawks. Ricky Waters. If I... Th- may- I, this might be the not best comparison for him, but this type of guy, he I don't think he was a guy that caught the ball too often, did he? He was mostly just run, run, run. That's it, right? Well, I mean, in a West Coast offense, you have to be a running back. He knows how to catch passes. Maybe, okay, maybe it's a bad example. I can't, I, somebody in Seattle, I can't think of who it was, but it was a really good running back who, you only get 53 guys in a roster. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, young guys, you got to play special teams, you got to do this, this, and this, this, or that to make a team. It wasn't Waters. There's maybe some other Seattle running back, but the guy was known to be a good, very good running back. Maybe two or maybe two years past where he's a legitimate top ten running back in the mm-hmm. league. Couldn't make a roster because all he could do was run the ball. He couldn't block re- very well at the back, which is a big deal. He had stone hands, couldn't catch the ball, and so he got. He's like, why is he not active? Why is he getting cut? Like he got. I wish I knew the name, but. You can't be a one-note player and make it in the NFL, especially if you're from a if they think there's a deterrent as undersized for. Yeah, I mean, especially these days. So I'm said it multiple times, but the NFL is a passing league yeah. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's why I'm thinking McNichols has a chance to be the number one guy because we've seen him return kicks. He catches the ball in the backfield. All these guys can do those things. San Diego State never threw the pump for as much, but he can punt or kick return kicks. They just happen to have Rashard, Rashard Penny. They need to give him the ball ever yeah. on those kick returns. So I, I'm going to go McNichols, the first player taken out of all the Mountain West guys. It might not be till pick 100 in the third round, but I think he 
Him or maybe Zebris has the best chance to be the number one pick. I think McNichols at least will probably be the first offensive player from the Mountain West taken. Yeah, and it's also with the draft, it's like you have to it's, – it's, it's a one team. If one team likes you, they like you. They'll overpay a little bit. Like there's a story I heard years ago. Um, who is it from? I know this guy Brady Papinga does stuff for Fox Sports Radio. He comes on the radio show I produce a lot because he's a BYU guy. Spent in the NFL for a while. He had, he had a story about or a report or whatever. He just he knows a lot of people and info. Um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking? The C- Russell Wilson, Seattle QB, Seattle Pete Carroll loved him. Would have taken. They said he had a first round grade to take him. I think when they drafted him, he was a later. I think they were still a pretty good team, so it was pick twenty five mm-hmm. or so. They wanted him like they were legitimately thinking first round. Like that's their grade. We're gonna take him. They but they waited and waited. Like okay, third round. They still probably overpicked him at the as a, I think as a third round pick because he beat out. Wasn't it Matt Flynn who got that huge contract after one game with the Packers yeah. <laughs> and Seattle picks him up and as a rookie Wilson beats him out. So it only takes one team. And while Wilson may have been a first round pick in their eyes, they got a they felt value for him in the third round. But if a team needs you, like say there's a team need for a wide receiver or running back because with Robinette, I think it was the Chiefs who had him in the second round pick because. Yeah, they got Tyreek Hill and Alex Smith is their QB, and they don't have a ton of good wide receivers on that team. Good enough with what Hill can do. He came on late of the year, but it just takes one team to, like, like we can go to the NBA draft. What the heck was Cleveland doing taking Anthony Bennett? They felt he was their guy for yeah. some reason, but that's kind of the that's the other end of the pendulum here. But what I'm saying, it takes one team. Like, there's a team that there's a tr- trade that could happen. Like, oh, we need a wide receiver, so, or we need a linebacker. We're going to take Calvin Munson because we traded up, and that's what our need is. We, Even though team may need a running back at this position or need a wide receiver, they feel Munson's the best guy, so they trade to get him. And that's that's why the draft is hard to predict, and not like we're going to make picks or anything, but you go by what the NFL wants, they want versatile guys, and so that's why McNichols for me. But don't I, I wouldn't shock me if somebody else, like Garrett Saragusa, goes number one or something like that. But as for what we think they've done and do, I'm going with the Boise yeah. back. All right, so let's, since I mentioned Robinette, let's get to some wide receivers here. I have a few guys. We have a few guys mentioned here with Robinette and the Air Force. They've kind of um, with the academy. They've uh, lightened up their um, or loosened their restrictions of just sort of doing your two-year service. So if you're gonna get drafted, you could postpone that or do off-season work, like do um, not ROTC but recruitment type stuff, or do visits around your city or state. So Robinette's going to get drafted. He, I don't see a block happen at all. And I know I was high on him before, but the top wide receivers, you basically got Tanner Gentry, Robinette, or Thomas Spurback. And PFS has Gentry as their top wide out from the conference. That's interesting. Because he's not the guy that you would... Why, why I mean, do you he's not so? the guy that you would immediately think is being the number one pro-ready guy, would you? No, out of the wide receivers, maybe. Or do you mean I mean, overall? between Spurbeck, Gentry, and Robinette, like, if off the top of your head, like, which which of those three guys do you think the average NFL fan would want most on their team? Most people know Boise State, so Spurbeck, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Like, you know, Gentry very quietly has had a pretty good career at Wyoming where, you know, he got a little bit better every year and showed himself to be, you know, at least capable of tough catch in, you know, oddly much the same way that we know Robinette to be capable of 
tough catches down the field. Did you realize that he had more deep pass receptions than any other wide receiver in this year's draft? Gentry or Spurman? Gentry. I would not be surprised by that at all. Yeah, because because he had 18 yards per Yeah, because Pro Football Focus has him listed at number one as far as deep pass receptions, which is passes of more than 20 yards. And he's not just a guy. Like, if you, we've seen Wyoming enough. He wasn't a guy that, like, what was his 40 time? He's not, like, some John Ross burner type of receiver. No, they have him listed he would on, work NFL, to get on NFLDraftScout.com. They have him listed from his pro day at 4.58. Oh, that's not very it's fast. It's not. Faster than me, of course, but still not very fast. So, it like, when you watch Wyoming, like, here's the thing, too. Yeah, they had, what, C.J. Anderson and whoever, and I forget Wyoming's tight end off the top of my head, but it wasn't like they were loaded at receivers. They were at they had good receivers, obviously, but they weren't where he was the only guy. Like, team, basically, I'm saying teams could shadow him, bring a safety over to guard Gentry, and he still blew past these guys. He has good route running to get open that deep. And so, were, the, were these on the 20 yard pass, um, was it his average per catch? Or, like, there's a new stat I've heard a while ago, like, um, yards per attempt, not yards per attempt, but yards, what is it, like, uh, Basically, if you throw like a three-yard pass, the guy goes ninety yards. It's a ninety-yard touchdown pass or reception. There's some stats somebody put together years ago, like the actual distance of a throw per throw. So it doesn't matter if it's complete or not. If it's a three-yard pass, great. If it goes for three yards, fine. Fifty yards, it's still a three-yard pass. Well, for, well, was there's the yards? Per, what does it say exactly there? Because that could be a difference. So on this bit. pro football focus thing, they do have something called yards per route, which I'm not totally sure what that means, but. They do have him ranked eighth in that regard among wide receivers. I'm assuming that's where he catches the I ball. I think so. From the line of scrimmage, that would make. I'm not sure. Sense. But regardless, we saw we see him go deep all the time, and a little bit of it. Josh Allen can may extend the play a little bit, but he's a guy like he wasn't just a straight line fast guy to go down the field and beat you. He made moves and good route running to get past guys. And he had a quarterback who could find him. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that they mention is that, you know, maybe he's not going to have top flight speed, which means that in on the, at the next level, they might be more willing to press him a little bit at the line. So if he's got one thing he's going to have to learn is how to beat press coverage at the next level, how to beat man coverage. Because, you know, yeah, he was showing, you know, playmaking ability down the field. But at the NFL level, you're going to have to prove you can get there first. I'd have to go back and watch to see because you got the five yard rule, so anything after five yards, you're free to go. Yeah. If you have a quick first step, like I wonder if they have this ten yard split because that's a that's what some people look at. It's like oh, how fast was he? Oh yeah, forty is this, but especially the offensive lineman, you want that burst or defensive lineman when they get off the line to get that first initial block. I wish I could find out. Think they have it here, but a ten yard burst if he's quick off the line, it doesn't matter how fast you are. But also look at this, like Jerry Rice, the best receiver ever. He wasn't a burner either. He's had extreme route running and precision and making cuts and moving. Mm-hmm. And so the only issue, like you said, you're correct. If they press you, and you're out of luck if you can't get out of that. But if you have a quick first step or precise route running, that can make up a lot for your speed, how fast or slow yeah. you are. So let's go to Robinette because people who don't know the NFL very well are like, oh, Air Force, they're just an academy school they run the tri- they run that w- weird triple option. They just run the ball, and you see what he does. And like, well, he gets big plays because twenty seven yards per attempt on his receptions, mm. or not per attempt, but per yeah. catch. Like, well, what's the deal with that? He only caught three a game. 
Yeah, there's a bit to that because of safety's cheat and stuff like that, but he's the guy who's probably... Do you think he might have the most upside? Because he's going to move to an offense where he's actually coached to be a receiver compared to being what he did at the Air Force, but he also has a bonus of being able and learning how to block as a wide receiver, which can be a big deal, especially when you see like the jet sweeps or the uh, quick bubble screens to the wideouts. So I have two thoughts, and both of them seem kind of trite, kind of cliche, and I kinda, I'm kind of loath to say them. You can't teach size, which Robin has. True. And you can't teach hands, which we've seen over multiple years Robinette has. So while he may run into the same kind of issue that Gentry runs into where he's never going to have top end speed, like if I'm trying to remember exactly what his 40 time was at his pro day, I think, uh, yeah, I think he ran like a, like a four, six, two or something like that. It was, so it was something that may have been like a little bit disappointing, all things considered, um yeah it was a 4.62 so you know he may not be the fastest guy but if he can learn how to you know beat press coverage in the same way that gentry may have to he's gonna have the tools the raw tools to make an impact at the next level and was interesting to me kind of going back to another things that another thing that football outsiders always brings up is you know they have projection metrics for just about every skill position on the offensive side of the ball and they have one for wide receivers that they call playmaker score so if you go to footballoutsiders.com you can scroll down a little bit the article's from april 5th or you can just run a google search for playmaker score jalen robinette came in at number one among this year's wide receivers in playmaker score with a 97.8 percent rating which is better than John Ross, better than Carlos Henderson, better than Corey Davis, better than all these guys who are going to go on the rounds. What about Mike Wall- Number Mike one. Number or Mike one. Williams, I mean. Okay, that makes sense. And what's, what, one thing that they mentioned that, they, that I totally agree with is that, you know, it's kind of a boomer bust proposition. On the one hand, Robinette could be the next Stephen Hill, you know. Because they even mentioned that the same metric, the same playmaker score, really loved Stephen Hill, and he just never turned out. On the other hand, the other comp that they throw out there, well, not a comp, but another similar kind of situation, is Demarius Thomas. Doesn't have top-end speed, is big and physical, and has basically made himself into one of the best wide receivers in football. So, you know, he's not going to be picked maybe until day three if he's picked at all. But I'm really hoping that somebody gives him a chance to put those tools to use. You know what I mean? I think that given a year or two, as long as he's not maybe thrust into a situation where he has to contribute right away, I feel like he could be really dangerous down the line for a team that's willing to take a chance on him. I think so too, because part of the, looking at the scouting report from Pro Football Focus, I think this is one of their free ones, I believe, but... Like he he ranked you mentioned that yards per route he was number one at five point four eight more than a yard better than next receiver, part of that is again like what he does best deep threat, okay it's odd like oh he doesn't have the speed but like I mentioned before it's just the twenty plus yard throws he gets because of what Air Force does they get sucked in and he get, he gets behind the defense mm-hmm. but he's much more than that, what we mentioned great hands had one drop in, in all of last year, and then he has the size to go across the middle to take a hit and not lose the ball. 
And yeah, it's prototypical. Like everything you mentioned, the size, everything. The one issue, it always comes up with competition. Yeah, okay, we get it. Sample size is probably the biggest thing yeah. because of what they did. And that's where teams are probably – I know teams know, like, oh, if he can catch, like, like he checks the box. Like you mentioned, he has hands, size, speed, eh, no, not great, but he can get open and do those things because if you're that big of size, I, even though I hate the fade route in the, in the end zone, he's a guy you can catch on third and ten – you don't need to throw a fade, but you throw high to the outside where only he can get it like on an out route or a post to, towards the sideline. Yeah, even if he can't get open, there are only issues. Catches. Yeah. And this is interesting. Negative, they say, not an impact in the blocker in the run game. Hmm. That, that, that is interesting to me. I kind of thought he would, because of what he played, he would be able to excel at that. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But I, I, I think like out of... If we're to project like a decade down the road, I could easily see him being like the number one wide receiver and being a number one receiver on a well, a number two receiver on an NFL team, but being the best guy from the Mountain West draft class this year. That wouldn't surprise me, but he's going to need more time than just about anybody else who's going to get taken in this draft. Yeah, yeah, it, it takes some coaching just because of what the offense he ran into. Like his pure skills, it is, but like he's how is he? I would have to go back and look, but what does he do on plays where it's a running play? Like, is what route is he running? Is he just coming over to block? Like, they're not a not to say anything bad about his physical fatigue or how sh- what shape he is, but if you're in an offense that he gets targeted ten times a game, or well, not even ten, that's way too many, but he had what did he average? What three catches a game? I think it was two point six catches Something per game. Like that, yeah. What if? What if, what if he gets eight targets a game in the NFL? That's a pretty big increase. And it's a, I'm going to say it's a different type of game he's going to be going into for what he does. And so, like, how does that impact him where he's getting thrown, thrown more often where you have to focus, concentrate, which should have been an issue being at the academy. But it's just something, just NFL teams nitpick at anything. You know what I mean? They'll they'll look at anything and anything to say that's a positive, that's a negative. The last, there was that weird question from a guy years ago, some NFL team at the Combine asked a kid, like, was his mom, like, a, a hooker or something, yeah, a prostitute or something? I forgot who it was, <laughs> but it's like, it's that's very extreme, obviously, but they'll look at, it just tells you, they'll look at anything to find a flaw yeah. in you. And so, I, it's and then Senior Bowl is an issue, and no targets to game, but it's like, really? The Senior Bowl game itself, I don't take much in that at all, really. Because the game, it's practices that are a big mm-hmm. deal, so... Are there any players we want to get into? Like, there's a lot of guys from San Diego State. Munson, DeMonte Casey, a lot of defenders on there who could make an impact. Can we talk about Casey for a minute? I'm assuming. What do you want to say about Casey? Because I think he's probably the guy that's going to get taken first overall in the conference. I've seen that, so that's potential, yeah. And I know that this is, this year especially, it seems like cornerback is one of those really deep positions and maybe he doesn't, you know, go as high as he might have if he had come out a year earlier or a year later or something like that. Because, you know, in looking at what Pro Football Focus did, for instance, they have him ranked 19th among quarter cornerbacks, right? Yeah, it's pretty low. And I was trying to look at other rankings before we started. And, you know, one that I found was from, I believe it was Mike Mayock on Sports Illustrated. They have... NFL yeah, or, or I forget who wrote this, but they have like 
Well, well, yeah, maybe I'm it's NFL.com. Like I said, too many sources. Too many sources out there yeah. to find stuff. But I said, so they have 15 <laughs> quarterbacks listed. and uh, Excuse me, it's Chris Burke from Sports Illustrated. So they, he has okay, 15 quarterbacks listed, and KZ isn't among the top 15. And I'm wondering whether that has more to do with him or the, more to do with the fact that the position is really, really deep this year. What do you think? It's some of both. Like it's it is deep. Like he was back to back conference player mm-hmm. of the year defensively. Not many teams can do that. He's a known like he plays in it. Okay, here's where I think the biggest issue was, if I recall. Oh shoot, it's not the pro football focusing, but Rocky Long's defense three three five. Yeah. No one, no NFL team runs that. That's true. And he was basically okay. I think I got it right here. Remembering what it was, but. Basically, he was going up against quarter routes, cor- excuse me, quarter routes every time, like exclusively, which is normally what a uh, a nickelback or dimeback would would see. And so he plays off like that was the big thing I remember right now. Where yeah, here it is, right? Yeah, here it is, right here. He exclusively ran biggest concern. Aztecs ran quarters coverage almost exclusively, so that means each defensive back has a quarter of the field, and he lined up exclusively on one side on the right cornerback side. And so, didn't play man coverage very much. A lot of zone. Had a lot of help to know if he got beat over the top, there was a guy back there to help him. Mm-hmm. And so, that's where I'm thinking it comes from, where he wasn't a guy. He's not a lockdown corner where he's lining up one-on-one, nose-to-nose, off-line scrimmage, going up against receiver. He's a guy that played off and basically played zone coverage every time and had help on every single play. And so, I'm betting that concern has an issue of why he's so Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like one of the things I keep hearing is even now is that even despite his measurables, even despite the system he's coming from, that a lot of his instincts are those that could play up at the next level. Like he has like, I forget what the Mm -hmm. quote I was that I saw, something to do with like having good game speed or something along those lines. Here's where I get from another another report here. Here's kind of what you're getting at. He had he only allowed 99 yards after the catch all season long, which goes to that. Had seven interceptions on 72 targets. So basically, one out of every 10 passes that went his way, he picked yeah. off. And so that type of stuff, you're getting that where he, like NFL, maybe he plays safety a little bit in NFL perhaps. Just because if he's that type of instinctive player, instinctive of a player, why, you know what I mean? Why not put him at safety perhaps a little bit? Or... Because his position fits outside corner, which NFL to passing the league, you'll need, which kind of help him a little bit. When you play three three five, most teams will have at least four, obviously four cornerbacks, but sometimes five as a hybrid, perhaps a little bit. But it's it. He does have. That's where if he's going to be come off the ball, I don't think he's a guy that can bait people to like. Oh, I'm going to leave you open and catch up because I don't believe his speed was ex- super extremely fast. Like his overall grade's good, what he does, but. I think that issue is him not playing like being a press type of guy, or at least a man-to-man coverage. He mostly hung out, hung out and played zone and had help every single yeah, play, yeah. and that allows him. And that allows him to make those. Um, I don't think he had many mistakes because anytime a guy caught a pass, he locked that guy down. But it allows you to maybe I can play off here, knowing I have help behind me or help here or wherever the help is from. I can make a play and dive and try to knock that break that ball up or get the interception. And so he was able to take more chances because he knew. There's help behind him. If he's stuck by himself, that's I think where the issues are with him not being taken 
or not being top ten guy or something at his, at his position. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, I'm just looking for stuff, trying to make people smarter. Hopefully that helps. And I remember reading that, I'm like I got to find that. But it's he, but regardless, he's a great player. And I've seen him like in some mock drafts. Like again, there's a million drafts to go to, but I've seen him taken late second round, maybe maybe early third round, like 95 or something. But there's choose your source. WalterFootball.com is great. You got draft tech I never knew about. I got Pro Football Focus. You got Football Outsiders. Uh, if you like Mel Kiper or, C- or Rob Rank from CBS and ESPN, go check their stuff out. So let's get to this really quick. So we go to, we're about an hour here. We need to wrap okay. this up. CBS, like I bring, I bring that up because it was um, was it Dave Bugle or Rob Rank who had the, I put it. I, I don't think say. you did. Basically, from CBS, puts a player per team who could be kind of a surprise style pick or maybe a priority free okay. agent. And so Weston Stillhammer makes their list for Air Force, and he's actually visited a few teams. I don't know if he'll get picked. This is from Dame, Dame Brugler, just so I got that card from CBS, NFLDraftScout.com. Stillhammer, a playmaker, size a little bit of an issue, going just under 200 pounds, but I got I to gotta say, like, 18 interceptions and the way he, his style of play, he's going to make a team. Or at very worst, like – Honestly, I could see him being like, um, who was the offensive lineman? There's offensive lineman from Utah State, went undrafted, ended up like starting for the Dolphins with a significant point. I think it was. He's a center. Yeah, Tyler Larson. I remember on the radio show I did when I remember getting him on a couple of times where undrafted free agent ended up being a big impact, making a 53 man roster. I could see Stillhammer being that guy. Well, it's interesting too. Like, it's not mentioned here, but at least on the pro football focus PDF. It does mention him being among the leaders as far as in a, as far as his ability to like make plays in the running game. Like he, I think, is in the top yeah. ten as far as tackle efficiency among safeties in that regard. So, if someone's looking for maybe an extra guy in the box, maybe he's not the biggest dude in the world, but you know, he's shown an ability to be a playmaker in the past, and I don't see why he wouldn't get a shot. He had 80 tackles last year and was a top 10. He wasn't. He was no Andrew Wingard, who had 130 tackles as a DB, but he had 80 tackles, 47 solo, and so it's a. He's going to make a team. He's going to make. He's going to be picked up. Maybe drafted, but he's going to find his way to a roster. I think yeah. this year and play. And then we go to a boy. They go at one per team, so we'll go through these kind of quick. Thomas Spurbeck. I think he's going to get drafted. I don't think why he would be. An so why do you think guy. that's the case? Why he'd go undrafted? I guess, I guess what Brugler says is size and speed is okay, but I don't know. He caught everything went his way. He always made the pressure on the field. He got big plays. I guess he's only six feet, one eighty. Like size is going to be a common thread through some of these guys. But I, I guess the size speed combo is why because you want bigger receivers. So are you saying? Are you thinking he could be maybe a guy out of the slot? Yeah, six foot one eighty. Why not be like Danny Amendola yeah, or something? There. Be that type of guy, just kind of in that range. But it's a—I uh, I think his production speaks for himself. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so really quick here, then we got CSU uh, Kevin Davis. We actually have his profile up just now. It's, it's going to be the same stuff: size and speed, size and speed. But I would say the end of last year, like um, the way the defense kind of changed around a little bit, he had 200 tackles in two years. You don't luck yourself into 100 tackles, so. 
So are you are you thinking maybe he's being underrated relative to somebody who came before him, like Corey James or something like that? Yeah, maybe, but um, I just remember the story last year. Corey James got drafted when he's at Sonic. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. He took a break. He's like, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm taking a break. He went to go get a Sonic, get a drink, a slush from Sonic, and got picked. But I, it's like here's the thing. It's like it like these things almost write themselves every time. It says Davis has a well-rounded skill set with the desired production, posting back-to-back hundred tackle seasons as a junior senior. Senior, preceding that. Lack of size and speed plus urgency. It's like well, 6'2", 235 is decent for a linebacker. Well, I think. Trying to be, to be, six trying to be eight, an inside six. linebacker or an outside linebacker? Because now that I'm thinking about it, that may be a little bit small, depending on where you want to play on the field. Inside, probably, but I think outside that'd be okay. I don't know. I don't know if he'll get picked, but he. These are also the guys like to make the most noise too. That not picked, and then what do you want? To, are you, are you? What do you agree with this pick? Fresno State's uh, cornerback. Taekwon Glass. Uh, yeah, I think that makes yeah. sense. Um, I kind of I'm, – I'm rooting for him to get picked in like the seventh round or something like that just because, you know, it's not really his fault. The team fell apart around him. Um, and I think that he's – he was pretty good despite the, the broader situation that he was facing here in Fresno the last couple of years. Like he's – you know, had five or six interceptions over the last couple of years, and he was probably their best defender, all things considered, in the last two years. So, yeah, I'm hoping he gets a look. Okay, then the next guy on this list, which, unless you're Sebastian Janikowski or the uh, dumb, um, what team traded up for a second round pick to get oh, the last Tampa year? Bay? <laughs> Tampa Bay. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez from Hawaii. He'll get he'll get a tryout of some sort. He's not going to get drafted, but that's good enough, right? That's yeah. all we need to say about him. And then punter Alex Boy from Nevada. Okay, I think Caden Hunt maybe. is probably more likely to get drafted is than a... Alex Boy. Sure, it's also undrafted guys. So what do you think about this? This is a dubious stat. It's po- usually not positive when you're all t- third all-time in punts total punts well maybe that's i mean that's not an indictment of him as much as it's an indictment of the offense that he punted for no, that's what i mean the team itself is like i guess that's longevity yeah. maybe i'm just he's, saying like you're punting a lot your adult. team probably <laughs> and then my favorite guy oh, terry and gibson who's gonna pick him up anybody come on somebody <laughs> i hope so because it would be fun to see at the next level like you know, Jarrell Presley got picked up by the Vikings, and he didn't he see a little bit of action at the end of last year? Or was that my uh, Maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I know he's on the Vikings, I'm pretty sure on that. So, it I didn't know this, but he's younger brother, Jack, starting safety, Tayshawn Gibson. I did not know that either. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I, Gibson, because. It's more of the scheme, but when you average almost nine yards to carry, that's got to be something, right? Somebody's got to take you for that, just for that. Yeah, alone. I mean, I think for him especially, it's the size thing that might scare some teams off. He's tiny, yeah, five eight one eighty. But like watching him play, stick him in his own blocking scheme, watch him take off and be um, be. The you know stuff. what I worry about for a guy like Gibson is you know, in this for the same way, breaks it. What it makes me think of it makes me think of a guy like Robbie Rouse who you know didn't necessarily play in the same the same offensive system 
But Robbie Rouse was also very small. And despite the production that he had at Fresno State, he never really got a look at the next level. So I think that ultimately he's probably going to end up bouncing around from practice squad to practice squad at the next level. But I hope that he gets a chance because he was fun to watch at college and it would be fun to see him break an 80-yard run at the next level. Mm-hmm. I also what kind of hurts him as well with that, like we mentioned at the beginning, New Mexico's passing yeah. offense is non-existent. Wondering how good his hands are because if he can catch the ball, that's a pretty big weapon to have a speedy guy on the outside. Do like those... Uh, it's not a, it's kind of a jet sweep, but not a bubble screen where you have the, like the guy go in motion where he's kind of run with it, throw it to him right away, like extended mm-hmm. handoff essentially. So I don't know if, where he'd that because that could be something he could fit into. I'm looking real quick as receiving. He returned kicks, which is a big deal, and he could probably see more of that. He only had five last year, but it's just a, just the receiving stuff. He didn't get an impact, and that's the problem where he had mm-hmm. only nine receptions. But I don't see him make it. As, really quick, Aztecs player Daniel Brunskill, he could be, I think he'll have a decent shot because he played offensive line, he played tight end, both in college and high school. And I think he played on our draft profile, I think he played four sports in high he's, school. He's Wrestling, really interesting. basketball, I don't baseball. know if he's going to get drafted, but he is really interesting just because he had experience at, the tight, at tight end and at the offensive line. And he is a very big guy. He's like, what, 6'5"? They have him listed here at 6'5", 273. And, you know, he did get a lot of experience, you know, as part of a run-heavy offense. And I think that maybe he can get play as an interior lineman at the next level. Like, I'm thinking of, who was the guy that was on the Atlanta Falcons? Was it Ben Garland from Air Force? Because he was on deep, I think he was a defender or a tackle or something like that at Air Force, but then he came up and went as a guard to the Super Bowl for the Falcons. And it would not surprise me, you know, even if he doesn't have tackle size, that maybe he can move inside and be a really interesting guard at the next level down the line. Yeah, that's like you said, gallery early on, people tackle. Like their projection is to be like maybe blocking tight end. And then maybe be. I was going to say, according Sorry, to Pro Football Focus, he did finish ninth in the nation as far as run blocking. There's that. And then, who was the guy from the Viking? Was it Clown, Clown, Clown Saucer? Oh, yeah, the H back. Yeah. H back. Maybe he could do that sort of where he's big enough to block. He could, he could maybe even go into fullback, perhaps. Like, this is just projecting nothing I've seen or read. But most of what I've read is blocking tight end. But if he has hands a little well, bit, he's going he's to get drafted by a small team like the Patriots, and he's going to win like Super Bowls in the next six yeah. years. <laughs> because it makes sense. Like versatility is key. Like if he can, like I just thought of like when you mentioned Klein Sauster, I did. You go H back, yeah. You could tight end H back. He could do um, even Jared Cook a little bit did that. He had the size, but won't get the receptions that could go his way. But. Again, smart team like Green Bay. Like Green Bay, they're a smart team. What they do offensively, like Devontae Adams is there. Obviously, I have an Aaron Rodgers helps. But if you have a team that wants to get creative offensively, and you know this guy can be an, a tight end eligible guy as well, why not stick him on your practice squad for a year or two, get him forty more pounds, and if you want to, but just the, the possibilities are there. Like it's a smart team. Exactly. Go for it. All right, a couple more guys here really quick. We need to wrap this up. Christian Tago, San Jose State. Oh, his career kind of uh, 
slid not that it slid down, but playing a bad team, it's hard to get noticed. Also, injuries played a huge factor. <laughs> that oh, that's right. He was his junior year. He missed yeah. most of the year, I think, two years ago. So I, these guys might get picked up, and then you know, be real quick, uh, Jeremiah Balawaga, Balawaga, Balawaga. Is that right? Maybe Balawaga. There you go. Um, sure. I don't know. Maybe. 6'6", 277, has some size. A lot of red flags, so right. let's move on. Accountability. Wyatt Houston, this could be a guy that could make a team because of tight end capability. And if you want to go and catch the ball, why not have uh, him who... Didn't he have one game like three touchdowns last year? I'm not sure off the top of my head. The only thing with him, he's not a tight end like Jimmy Graham. Like, quote, wide receiver tight end. He's actually blocking tight end as well, and so, like you said, it could be he could be a similar role maybe for what like Brunsko a little bit. I where wonder, I wonder if he's the like the new version of like a Marcus Jensen. Think so with Houston? Yeah, because you know how he came out of Fresno State and he you know had a lot of you know, prototypical size. You know, looked like he could be one of those next wave tight ends where. You know, had a like he was like six six two fifty, and I think Wyatt Houston's a lot the same as far as size. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he were like the second tight end on a decent team and catching ten twenty balls a year. Maybe he's like the next Jacob Tammy or something like that. Which you know, there are worse fates in the NFL. There are. So yeah, it's um. No, that makes a lot of sense. And him, like, again, versatile guy a little bit where he can catch, go downfield, and he's a big guy. So he'll block and do those things as well. The last guy they mentioned, Tanner Gentry, he's going to get drafted, right? He could, yeah. He should? He better be. And so that's the last guy they mentioned here from CBS. So those are a dozen guys or so, or actually yeah, exactly a dozen guys who might get picked up after. Well, that's hopefully this drafting was an inf- uh, informational. I-, I learned a few things from you. The drafttech.com, check that out. The explosiveness uh or what is that one from Football Outsiders? Okay, so for this, running backs, it's speed score. Playmaker wide score. Receivers, playmaker it's score. Playmaker score. But they also have one for quarterbacks, which I forget what they're calling it these days. I think it's like Q-base or something like that. They have one for pass rushers, which they call sack seer. So if you are interested in those kind of you know advanced numbers or projections, probabilities, and stuff like that, I would definitely encourage you to check it out. Because I'm a nerd like that, and I know I really enjoy it. It kind of helps me enjoy my so, experience. For sure. Exactly. So footballoutsiders.com. Is this is that on the free uh, version? Some of them, or some of them I think, are tied a... to ESPN Insider, so you may need that if you want to read some of these articles. I also know that if you get the annual later in the year in August, that they have all of these things in there as well. You can take it. I do recommend and I do recommend Insider because mm-hmm. it's dirt cheap to get and has some good info. Let's put it this way: football stuff. If you like what, so what Bill C board? does, Bill C is and was a part of Football Outsiders. So if that is any appeal at all, definitely go check it out. And go buy Bill's new book too: Top Fifty Teams yes. Asterisk of All Time, <laughs> or Most Interesting Teams, whatever. So if you have one go-to place, is it Football Outsiders for your draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that. Because they they look at the the process in a little bit different way than the traditional kind of scouting strengths and weaknesses kind of thing, like they try to make meaning out of the numbers in a way that mock draftable does or 
you know, where a place like draftbreakdown.com tries to make meaning of, you know, video that they put together of the different players. So for me, like, it's like one part of the whole that I like to look at kind of going into the draft to see where guys in the Mountain West stack up. Yeah, I like this stuff too. Like, it, uh, there's so much draft stuff. Like, I I'm kind of a draft nerd because I play fantasy football, and I'm trying to get into make some sort of dynasty leagues. I like that type of stuff for long term things. But these numbers, like, it's like what he said, what Bill C did. Like, he creates stuff like total yards. <laughs> who gives a care? You know what I mean? Yards per game. I don't care. It's give me something. If you want to, if you're the most basic football person and like football, which is great, and you want basic stats. Don't use those. Like, yards per play is probably um, – that's not an advanced stat, but at least that's something that tells you more than just total yards. And so this clearly – I hope this makes sense. But going more beyond that, this dives very deep, a lot of different stuff. Like, I still have to look at the little terms from Bill C's glossary for S&P Plus, but be a smarter fan, right? Don't look at total yards. Don't look at that. If you if you want to be, like I said, the most basic, at least look at yards per play yeah. for certain stuff. So – yeah, check out Football Outsiders. Like I said, Pro Football Focus is great. Um, the draft take a look into. Just do your research. NFL.com has a, fun, a bunch of good stuff out there. If We'll have a link we'll put in here as well. There's a um, all the draft profiles, all the college teams are doing. We have a bunch up. We'll have a few more. But I do you think, like, let me ask you this. Are you, you're, you're more of a college fan, I'm assuming, At this right? Point, college yeah. football. What's your, like, NFL fandom? Do you typically watch every Niners game, or if they're on, you watch them, or if it's within your window of time? Honestly, the last couple of years, I've used Saturday as kind of my goof-off day, and Sunday as my day to work. So, this past season, I think I watched roughly 90 minutes of NFL football before the Super Bowl. It doesn't help when the teams are very good, though, also, right? (laughs) So, okay, so... I'm not going to ask that question, but okay. Did Kaepernick turn you off the NFL at all, or did you care? No, the reaction to Kaepernick turned me off the NFL. Not to dive. Yeah, okay, me too. That's like, do it. Okay, we don't need to get into it, but for him doing that, I don't care. Fine, you can do that what you want. But the reaction or trying to spin whatever you want to say about it, I don't care what your opinion is really, but he can do what he wants. So I know a lot of people were turned off by that. So what's your draft day? Let's go back to the lighter topic real quick. Cause let's wrap this up. We're at 70 minutes here. 75. Jeez. You said you watched the draft. Who, what's your preferred uh, NFL network? Uh, or honestly, at this point, I kind of prefer the NFL network. I will take whatever I can get, but I'm, cause I mean, most of the time, most of the time I go out it is different. It, so both Trey of them are on anyway, and it hardly matters. Yeah. Trey Wingo's doing all three days now for ESPN. Nice. That could be a difference. Maybe a deal a deal maker yeah, without oh Berman. God, I forgot doing we don't have to deal does. with Chris Berman anymore. That's awesome. <laughs> He's okay in small spurts the past couple of years, but Trey Wingo's good. Like I typically I'll do NFL Network because I could well, I guess I've watched ESPN now, but NFL Network it just seems I just like Rich Eisen and Mike Mayock and um who they got Steve Mariucci out there. They got D- Daniel Jeremiah pops up, but I think they do better than they're both fine, but it's like I maybe part of it was I use their website more. Like I stream it at work, and then NFL Network's uh, streaming plus website interaction for the picks was much better than watching on ESPN. If so, that's what I do. But um, I don't know. We'll watch the draft. I watch some of it. We'll see what happens. But let's um, really quick over under how many players will get drafted. I'm sorry, say that one more time. Yeah, let me rephrase that in a better term. How many? Um, 
how many picks will be made or geez, how many players will be taken from okay. the conference? So I think it'll probably be somewhere. Let me, okay. Let me look at the list again. McNichols, double, double Humphrey, digits. Hill, Robinette, Tanner Vallejo, Calvin Munson. Four. Oh, we didn't even, we didn't even mention Zerbless, Roulier, Roulier, probably Koloa Matangi. Kreitler, I think, is probably a day three pick. Barrett? Alex Barrett, maybe? Yeah, I think he's probably a day three pick as well. KZ, definitely. So I guess that's roughly a dozen. That sounds about right. I think about ten. Yeah, I'd say at least ten. And then there'll be like there'll be some dude from Hawaii who gets picked up for you, and they'll be like, "What? They got drafted?" Because <laughs> they're always be like, "What are you guys that catch us off guard?" Like, crap! I don't have anything. Yeah, that's when you just kind of go to Twitter and hope that they have something <laughs> about why they chose the people that they chose. But hey, you know what? More power to those guys. Like so, you know, maybe we didn't even talk about guys like what Ricky Alifua going into the draft this year yeah. could make a difference on day three who i mean who knows got you know travis seatbelt came all the way back to make a pretty strong senior campaign you never know what the nfl draft would be what teams like that's why you watch like what i like to do if i'm not watching like i'm not gonna watch every second to listen to it i sometimes just like find the right app you use and mm-hmm. just go off of that and just find the picks and stuff. That's why I do too. Do you, one last thing for you. Have you heard like the tipping pick thing? Is that a thing this year that they say not to do it or something? Have you? Heard, that's usually something the past um, two years that's come up about reporters making the pick like ten minutes. Like basically, Woj in the NBA draft. Has oh, I know. Like someone like Mike before. Silver does that for the NFL. Um, I haven't heard anything in that regard, but I'm really hoping that they can kind of clamp down on it. Do you care? I mean, it kind of matter depends. for you, really? I mean, for, for my own team's picks, I, I do kind of like the drama of, like, the live broadcast or whatever. But, I mean, I understand that, you know, all those things are on some kind of delay and the internet waits for no man. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you do what you can. I'm, I'm not going to be offended if I find out that... Well, actually, I will be offended if, they, if I find out the 49ers are taking Mitchell Trubisky for some reason because... No. Oh, man. What pick does the Niners they have again? the number What's two first pick. Four? And it's going to go number two pick. I just have a feeling it's going to okay. Yeah. <laughs> to be a smarter fan, I listened to, um, I mentioned this before, Chris Harris. Used to be if ESPN now has his own podcast. He's on the Squire Bros. Do you know who the Squire Brothers are, right? I'm not a fan, but yes. Guys? <laughs> we made the end the podcast. You're not, not a fan of the Squire Brothers? <laughs> That's okay. okay. We can Go we can on. work through it. It's all right. But he was on he was on the show. Like I don't listen to. They have two podcasts, like Scarborough Country, which I'm usually not. It's kind of like inside comedy writing stuff. I'm like if it's a certain guest, I'm like okay, I'll listen to it. But the other one, where it's just screwing around and making fun of dumb stories, that's much more better in my opinion. But they had him on. I'm like, well, I like Chris Harris. He mentioned through like he has no clue why Mitchell now Mitchell not Mitch. Don't call him Mitch. He'll get mad at you. Mitchell Trubisky. Is even in the discussion to be an NFL quarterback, like in the first three or four rounds, because his main thing, like, go back and listen to it. Like, you may like this as well because it's draft stuff, so you may skip. They have like some hockey stuff the first bit, so like go through fifteen minutes in to listen to that mm-hmm. part with Chris Harris. They mention like he couldn't beat out a guy for two years who's not an NFL quarterback, and yet he's going to be maybe the number one pick overall. He's only going to be the number one pick overall because Cleveland is picking number one overall. 
<laughs> well, even like top QB, like he doesn't even think of him, yeah. him being a top five quarterback. I, I guess we'll see. I mean, that's the fun thing about it is you know at least one team is going to do something really dumb in the name of getting a quarterback. Yeah, quarterbacks are overrated. I hope it's not because my team. Because everybody wants one. It's not my team. I Okay, two two quick things. My teams, I have two teams. The Dallas Cowboys, and I'm so thankful they didn't get Johnny Menzel. I, a couple years ago. But like them, they Jerry Jones can go nuts. So there's always something going on with the Cowboys yeah. if you pay attention to them. But the Texans, oh my gosh. Last NFL video. I like the Texans. They have amazing defense, clearly, with J.J. Watt, Davon Clowney, Brian Cushing out there. They don't have a quarterback. Brock Osweiler is a mess. They could. I, I'll say it a million times. You could have Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr could be the quarterback, leading them to Super Bowl victories. Pick a quarterback. They annoy me every time. Get something. They're going to – they have freaking Tom Savage as their quarterback. I'm like, really? I. They're a team where they baffle me. Knowing, knowing me and knowing this team, they'll pick four linebackers or four defensive players in their first four picks. Even though they have no need for a defense. <sighs> okay, that's enough. I think. I think. We're, I think we're good here, right? Have we vented the. I think and talked we're good to go. Talk? We're giving them about eighty minutes worth of goodness. <laughs> Eighty-two minutes. As for tipping picks, as a fan, I don't care. But well, I don't care. I just say here's my opinion. I get the drama thing, but if I were to work in the business, I'd break every piece of news I can I get would. for the NFL draft, wouldn't you? So, also, do what Lockin' Forest says. You can always mute me or not follow me on Twitter when people get mad at him. Because that's what I like, too. Looking at the people who tip picks or pit draft or just blah, 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 go at it on Twitter on draft day with news and stuff for picks. You don't have to follow everybody on Twitter. You know that, right? You don't have to. That You're not forced true. to follow that person. <laughs> All right, so that's the show for tonight. you got an early show this week. So listen to our show last week. What did we even talk about last week? Uh, spring football? We talked what about Bill C's early mountain his rankings is uh, oh, S and P plus his his own personal one through twelve for the Mountain West. Yeah, so number one, Sorry. I guess. <laughs> number one. That's... Sorry, we do a lot of we do a lot of stuff here, and this one's a bit earlier than expected. So listen to that. We got other stuff. We got a lot of, or you can go back and listen to us talk, debate about streaming for an hour on podcasts. Should it be Netflix Seems or Amazon or neither? More, but more relevant we'll have. Gain and steam. We we see who listens and that kind of picked up a little bit. So we got lots of stuff in the backlog. Um, we're probably going to have. I assume we're going to do one show this week. Maybe I'll drop my Wisconsin preview with um, the guys from Bucky's fifth quarter next week. But um, listen to the draft. Check out our website mwcconnection.com. Yeah, this is ninety minutes, but we appreciate you listening and.